Hello, welcome to Café with Strangers. I'm your host, Monica, and today I have Marisol, and Marisol is the um, last person that I'm going to be talking to here while I'm in LA. And we did have coffee from this little place called Mas Cafecito. I don't know the city that we were in. I believe it was La Puente. La Puente, and it was really, really good. But unfortunately, we were at the library, and the library said no drinks. But we enjoyed some of that beforehand. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'll go ahead and let Marisol introduce herself, and we'll go from there. Okay. Hello, everybody. My name is Marisol Campos. Um, I am the youngest of eight children, uh, four boys, four girls. Nice. And oh, we, the youngest. Yes. Yeah. And it was like three girls were born. Yeah. And then four boys and then me. Yeah. So I grew up with the boys. Mm. You know how boys are. Okay. We were that, there, for, you know. There's going to be stories there. I can tell. <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. And we come from Guadalajara. Well, my mom's side of the family is from yeah. Jalisco and my dad's is from Michoacan. But Guadalajara is like where we, where everyone is actually like both on my mom's and dad, so that's it's really nice. We're from there too. Do you know what city, like what little town? Um, yes, my mom was from. <laughs> Someone well, sneezed. Bless you. <laughs> uh, my mom is from Ocotlan, Jalisco. I don't think I've heard of that. Um, like you know where Chapala is. No, unfortunately, it, unfortunately, I just know the little town that my family's from. I don't know really anything else out of that. So, oh, okay. <laughs> no, we're um, we stay in like the big city. My mm-hmm. parents live out there. Gotcha. So they stay in the city, but um, she's like from a little town. There's like this big lake called Lake Chapala, uh-huh. um, and it's pretty well known. Uh, she's from around that area, kind okay. of. Like a little passing that area. Okay. I'll look at it. I'll, eventually I'll look it up because I'll, I'll probably forget. Yeah. But eventually I'll look it up, especially being from like Guadalajara. It's going to be, it's got to be close by to me mm-hmm. in some one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I'll Google. I'll just eventually Google this anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to mention on that part? I mean, I used to live there when I was younger. Were you, you were born here yes. in the States? Yeah, I was born um, in California, Southern California. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when we went over there, but I know when I was two, I was already out there living yeah. there full time. I went out there with my mom and I think two of my siblings, and yeah. we lived out there for a few years. I went to like preschool there. Uh, I went to kindergarten there. Yeah. Um, you know, did all that. How do you? What are your memories like from that time? Well, because it was, like, such a young age, I don't have that many. Yeah. But So you know how it's Mexico. Like, you have your whole family right there. Yeah. So I would walk down the street, and I was, like, with my little best friend, walk down the street a little further, and I was with my cousin. Yeah. And then at another Tia's house. Um, so that was really cool. My neighbors were really cool. I liked it a lot. Um, school was fun. I remember a lot of, like, nursery rhymes, like, mm-hmm. Marinero que se Oh, oh my god, that sounds so familiar. Yeah. Oh my god, memory unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I remember things like that. Um, I had a little boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> um, what else? Just like, I remember a lot of good times from that time. Like, 
laughing, playing, family. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I like going. That's awesome. My little childhood in Mexico. Yeah. Do you remember when it is that you came back to live in the States? Yes. I want to say it was, I think I did kinder here as well. So I might have started over there and then transferred over here. But I think it was kindergarten. Um, and then I took ESL classes for a few years. And then, uh, yeah, I stayed here for most of my life. Mm -hmm. And then I went back a few years ago, not too mm -hmm. long ago. Stayed there for a bit. And then I came back again. Was that by choice, this recent one? Yes. How was that? It was good. I needed it. You did? Yes. Ah. I was, uh, <laughs> I was very, like, um, overworked. So it was like, you know what? My parents are living out there. I'm not going to be worried about anything. Like, my bills are going to be paid. Everything's going to be good. I need this break, mental break. How long did you go for? Um, A little bit under a year. Oh, I think, yeah. I've literally been thinking about moving there for a little bit. Yeah. And you just saying that, I'm like, okay, I just need to make it happen. Sometime down the line, I need to make it happen yeah. for a Honestly, similar reason. Yeah, yeah. It was um, definitely needed. And I'm very happy yeah. that I took that opportunity to go out there and work on myself and like take a break because that's what I needed more than anything. Yeah. And then you, so you've been in LA mostly your entire mm -hmm. life then. Yeah. How was it growing up here in LA for you? I liked it. I liked growing up in LA because there was a lot of Hispanics and Latinos around me and I was very free to be myself. Like, yeah. I danced folklorico for 10 years. Uh, yeah. I'm so envious. Really? Yeah. Because I, I never got the chance to. Really? Yeah. So um, my sister... Because we were, we're from NorCal. We're from the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. My sister, I remember, she did Florcorico for a year. And I remember thinking, I'm going to get to do that too. But we moved to Idaho. And they're not going to be doing that shit over yeah. there. So I'm really jealous because it's just like so – I always thought it was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And my sister only got to do it for a year. And for two, so doing it for 10 years, ugh. Yeah. I'm envious. Uh, yeah. I was very lucky. I was very lucky. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah. That part of, you know, growing up here, you know, so we did folklorico, yeah, but we also did things like Aztec dance and Mayan dance. And, That's so cool. Yeah. I was very fortunate and very thankful to, you know. Well, I'm happy for you. Thank you. I'm living Thank you. vicariously through you right now. You know what? Your, your time will come. You can still try it out. Like, they have a lot of new adults. You're right. You're right. It's just a matter of me getting – but, like, living up there in Washington now, it's not – I mean, it's not Idaho. There's definitely more POCs over there, but it's not as significant as down here. Like, yeah. one, like I'm here, and I'm like, I know I'm in California. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I'll let you continue more about, like, kind of growing up here in L.A. And, yeah, just about yeah. growing up here in L.A. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, for us – I guess we never really got into like the stereotypical California Chicano culture, mm -hmm. like, you know, Cholitos and Lowriders and all that good stuff, which is very beautiful. We just, I never grew up around those, that, that certain type of Life person, environment. Yeah, environment. Um, so I'm 
more of like the ranchito girl, even though I'm definitely city girl. Through yeah, through, yeah. I'm, I'm from the rancho, but like I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, California was great. I had a lot of good friends. Um, you know, shit happens. Yeah, Obviously, shit happens. So, <laughs> <laughs> did you um growing up here? So. Growing up for me, when I was growing up, I didn't, I thought everyone spoke Spanish Mm -hmm. because that's kind of a diversity. Well, that was just a huge amount of Latinos that I was around. So when I left, I, or when I left California, I realized like, oh, that, that culture shock happened to me. Like, have you ever experienced a a culture shock? Um, I guess like, have you, you living in this most of your life here in the area, have you ever traveled somewhere else that gave you culture shock and made you realize like the difference LA is compared to everywhere else? Yes, definitely. And just even going back to like Guadalajara, mm-hmm. I remember going back one year and like feeling so different. Like, oh, this is not what I remember. Like, mm-hmm. it's not the way it was. And then I remember one of my neighbors actually told me we were outside. It was like, we're drinking or <laughs> she was like, Ya eres más de allá que eres de acá. And I was like, Oh. Esa frase. Right? So I was like, Damn. And then I really started like differentiating how I acted here versus how I acted there and what they were pinpointing. Like, okay. those are my traits that I picked up over here. So then I started like analyzing myself. Do you remember what they said, what they told you? Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about, I think they were, because we had gone somewhere when I was younger, and they were like, do you remember this place? Yeah. And I was like, no, I don't remember, like, how do we get there? And they're explaining to me, and then they're like, si ubicas. And I was like, si, si, no, si, no. I was like, I know the area, but I don't know the exact space place and she was like oh es que ya eres de allá más de allá que de acá because you didn't know yeah your way around an area yeah and I was like some teen I was like 13 14 15 that's so interesting the shit that like our family will say to us yeah, like, <laughs> okay that's so interesting have you traveled outside of California besides like Mexico Vegas Arizona like around here. Yeah. Other than that, not really. Just I've traveled a lot more in Mexico. When you were growing up, living in such a diverse area, being surrounded by so many Latinos, did you ever have, did you ever question your identity and in regards to being Latina? I didn't for a very long time. I was very confident in who I was as a Latina. Yeah. That little comment got to me a little bit. I'm not going to lie because I was still like a teenager. So it had me overthinking. But at the end of the day, I think I'm like, you know what? What they have to think? Like, (laughs) um, I, I struggled with it for a while. Like, I just, I was mad at my race in a way. You were mad about being Latina, yeah. being Mexican. Yes. Do you okay. remember, like, if there were specific reasons that made you feel that way? A lot of it, I think, had to do with, like, machismo and stuff. Okay. 
Um, so I was like, why do they think like this? Or like, you know how I have, my parents are older. I'm the youngest of eight. Yeah. You know? um, so just the, the backwards thinking kind mm-hmm. of got to me sometimes. And I was like, why don't they respond? And I'm like, I see, you know, like white families and they don't act like this and, you know, things like that. Okay. I I had moments like that too, where I would be like, I I, I was thinking about this and it, it popped up in my head last night that one of the things that I remember wishing or kind of thinking when I was in Idaho was seeing the relationship between like my friends, my my like my white friends and their parents was a lot more different mm-hmm. and. You know, not to say my parents don't love me, but it, it was a different relationship that I'd be like, why can't my family be like that? Yeah. So that's kind of the impression that I'm getting mm-hmm. from that you're coming from? Okay. Oh, no, definitely. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I want to actually talk a little bit about, like, the fact that you're the youngest of eight. My mom is the oldest of eight, and my dad is the second oldest of 11 now. Um, so that's not... Like that was common for our parents or like, you know, like my parents and my cousins and my uncles and aunts. So for you to be that during kind of, I guess, to be your age and how, how am I, how am I trying to form this? How was it growing up being the youngest of eight? Not only just being the youngest, but your oldest siblings were boys, mm-hmm. you know? Being the youngest of eight definitely had its ups and downs, like... There was always someone around, so that was cool. Like, I, I could always talk to, like, one of my siblings. Mm-hmm. I'm very close to my oldest sibling, mm-hmm. actually. She's, like, she's my godmother as well. Oh. So, we're yeah, we're very close. Um, What's the age difference between you guys? She was turning 21 when I was born. Shut the front door. Yeah. So, I was kind of, like, her baby in a way. Wow. Yeah. That's really cute. Yeah, and then after that, it was like 19, 18, so on and so forth. (laughs) But um, it was cool. Like, my older siblings, the ones that had, you know, the extra money or the extra time or whatever, they would take me out to amusement parks. That's nice. Yeah, things like that. Vegas, my oldest sister took me to Vegas. Yeah. She takes me, like, riding quads a lot. Okay. Yeah, okay. She's, she's very cool. I really, I like her and her husband, you know. Um, now, being the youngest with all boys, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so, my brothers were a little bit closer in age to me. Mm-hmm. They're three and six years, the closest ones that I have to me, three and six years okay. older than me. But there was always rough houses. There was, there would always, you know, WWE SmackDown every week. <laughs> you know, one time we we made a ring like out of I don't know tape. I don't know what it was, and we had boxing gloves and we went to town on each other. Oh my god! Me, my brothers, my neighbor. Were you? Do you? Did you ever notice you being treated differently than your other sisters? Yes. Okay. I'm curious to know in what ways. In a lot of ways. Well, um, <laughs> they would tell me, they would tell me a lot that 
my parents were a lot less strict on me than they were on them. I had a more nonchalant mom in a way, <laughs> but she was very much aware of where I was at all times. Okay. Um, I always would tell her she was cool with it, but they weren't allowed as much freedoms. They weren't allowed to go out and party like at a young age. I was because I would text my mom, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here with so-and-so. Hmm. Um, but with them, I hear that she was a lot more strict. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then for my dad, um, I feel a little bit more like disconnected with my dad than my other sisters. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone in general, but mostly the sisters. That okay. stands out more. You mean like they have more connection with your father yeah. than the rest of you? Yeah. Okay. And then... I'm very much attached to my mom. Okay. Um, I'm curious to know about, like, if you noticed the gender roles, like the stereotypical gender roles within your your household. We're nodding our head. Yes. Yes. Um, Although, like, my mom let me do all this great stuff. There was a lot of things that I, uh, well, not a lot, but there were some things I couldn't do. Um, I couldn't. Like, I wanted to go out and play, go paintballing with them. Mm. They wouldn't let me. No, you're a girl. Like, things like that. It was like, mm, okay. <laughs> um, my brother would go to shows. He would play at shows. Yeah. Sometimes they wouldn't. Like, they let me here and there, but it was like, girl, you had to, like, really work for it. Gotcha. You had to work for it. Um, Do you feel like your brothers got off easier? Yes and no. Um, my dad wouldn't tell them, like, no lo regañaba the same uh-huh. way that he would do it to me. Uh-huh. But my mom saw that and she would talk to him. She would talk back to him. She'd be like, no, uh-huh. they're doing it. She can do it. So a lot of it, my mom was really like trying to mellow it out. Gotcha. Because she, like, saw, she, my mom's very smart. Uh-huh. Like, I think she, she's so ahead of her time. Gotcha. I think that's what it was. How old were your parents were in their 50s when they had you? 40s. 40s. Yeah. My oldest sister, my mom had her when she was 18. My parents were okay. married when they were, when my mom was 16. Uh-huh. My dad was 18. And then at 18, she had my oldest sister. And then I think, I, I think I was 30. When she was 38 or 39. Okay. When I was born. That's interesting that there was that two-year gap of no kids. Or yeah. like no. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Anyways, but that's just me. My brain is like, oh. <laughs> no, yeah, because back then it was like, get married, have kids. Pretty get much married, within the year. Yeah. Like my, I know that my, my sister was born like within the year. Yeah. I know a lot of my aunts and uncles who had kids within the year of them yeah. being married. So um, that was just like interesting, especially with like that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, uh-huh. they asked her a few questions about it. She was like, whatever. Are your, <laughs> do you, are your parents like pretty open with you guys or do you feel like they've always, no, you're nodding your head. No. Okay. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, <clears throat> How was it growing up with them? Growing up, 
most like if we were talking any emotion it was like anger or frustration or any anything like of that area mm-hmm. um it was not an open communication though it was mostly like you know chaotic like well not chaotic but like yelling and things like that um not super frequently but that's how we that's how they expressed mm-hmm. themselves um i feel like that's the only way they knew how to express themselves yeah yeah that definitely makes sense uh, so you are first generation yes were all your siblings born in the states too no no um there was a lot of back and forth before i was born yeah um so i think it was like the first two maybe were born over there then three here then two there and then something like that that's almost kind of split yeah did did they did your siblings ever get their citizenship status um some of them did so i think some of them are still like residents gotcha yeah permanent residents um it's kind of split between some of them are citizens, some of them are not. Yeah. Do you remember? Um, do you remember what it meant to be a citizen? Like, did you? I guess how old were you when you realized what it meant to be a citizen versus not? I can't pinpoint it because I remember, like, from the very beginning. Yeah. Like, my mom would tell me, I think I was maybe seven to nine, Mm -hmm. probably. Like, they told me how they crossed over and things like that. Um, I didn't understand fully that we weren't technically allowed to be here. Or they weren't, at Mm -hmm. least. But... For me, it was like, okay, whatever. Like, if I go over there, if they go over there, we're just going to go to the other house. Yeah. Um, So I was very, like, thankful for that. When I did start realizing, like, the actual definition of, like, why we're illegal and things like that, I was like, you know, I I got mad all over again. Like, what? Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I forgot. I forgot the question. No, it's okay. uh, the the question was I don't remember exactly what I asked, but it was along the lines of um, like what age do you remember what it meant to be a citizen versus not a citizen. Oh, okay. Yeah. When do I remember? I think it was like in my in my like early teenage years where I was like, hold up, what? It was like I started getting really into like history mm-hmm. and what started it off was like the movie hairspray really? and then i went to like the rabbit hole of like slavery and all of that and then i went into the rabbit hole of like why mexicans are illegal and like native americans and that history and all of that mm-hmm. so yeah in my early teenage years i got mad all over again all because i forgot the question again <laughs> okay it has to do with like citizenship status oh yeah yeah just the citizenship just all of that got me mad yeah like thinking like my parents wouldn't be here you know had they not tried and then my mom had to cross back multiple times yeah um 
she didn't end up getting her citizenship until like recently, recently. And it's like she's been here since she was at least 20s, like early yeah. 20s. And I was like, for her to barely be getting her citizenship. Did your parents ever talk about those struggles of like coming over here, what they had to do? Um, yeah, she, my mom would tell me a lot about um, having to cross with my siblings when they were young mm-hmm. um, and having to cross them over. I forgot what movie it was. She said that there's a scene in a movie where there's like a border patrol and like a donkey. And it was just like one of those things like for the car yeah. parking with. And she was like, that was the, the border. And she's like, and me and your brother ran. And we just booked it and he didn't catch us. And so we made it. So that was one time. Another, like, she had multiple hard times. You know, the cerros. And yeah. She told me that one time she actually went with heels on because she didn't know what to expect. And I was like, girl, with please. heels. <laughs> like, please. Heels. She's like, yeah, and I ended up having to go barefoot after a while. I was like, yeah, I bet. But she was like, they left me. She's like, the guys, the Goyota and every, all the guys left me because they didn't think I was going to make it. I was like, damn. That's wild. How old were they when they came over? Do you remember? I don't remember. I want to say that my dad came here before yeah. and he started working and he would just send money over there. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure. I should ask. The only reason I know my dad's age is because I've only heard that story a couple of times, but I don't know the details. You know more about your parents those details than I do about my, like, I have no idea how my parents came over here. Well, my dad, because I know my dad came over at 17, but I don't know the journey, what he had to do. And I have a couple of, a bunch of cousins that have tried to come over too. And I don't know their journeys because I just never really asked. And I've like, the more that I do this, I'm like, I need to ask my parents how it was like for them because they told me what it was like because they crossed me, they crossed me over with like Coyote. Ex. I was I was a little baby. I was nine months old. Dang. They were just like, oh, "Hey, you go." So scary. It's fucking terrifying because there's no way in hell that a parent would do that nowadays. No. If they did, you're risking never seeing your child again, ever. Ever. Oh my god. Ever. So, so scary. And then stuff that I hear, we just in border towns. Oh, it's, it's fucking so terrifying. Like, I never realized how lucky I was. In this sense, because both my siblings were born in the States. I was the only one that was born in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so I constantly kind of like remind myself, like, <laughs> you're lucky. Yeah, you're a lucky are. motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but f- so being first gen, you had older siblings. So I'm kind of makes me wonder how different your struggles were being first gen versus your siblings because I can imagine that they were able to help you out with like school translating doctor's appointments and stuff like that um yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, how was that? Like, um, I guess, did you notice any struggles that your siblings went through, and like, what's what struggles did you face being first generation here in America? Yeah, they they had it rough. They struggled financially more than I did mm-hmm. um, when they were kids. Like, well, my parents struggled less with me than with them. Um, so they had a lot more struggles. My mom would, for me, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. For them, she was, she would try to be a stay-at-home mom as much as possible, but she would also work. And she would, like, sell shoes at the swap meet or, you know, things like that. Um, But with school and stuff like that, they would try to help me, and I appreciate them a lot, but I wasn't... Uh, willing to learn at the time. Okay, like, I yeah. didn't want to. Yeah. Like, sure, you can help me, but I'm not going to do the work. I'm not going to put in my effort. So, like, I felt bad even asking for them, so I never really asked them for help. Mm-hmm. Well, I did when I actually wanted it. Mm-hmm. But it took a lot for me to actually want want to learn. Um, And you went to pursued schooling past high school how was education viewed in your household was it something that was like it's just there or was there an emphasis put on it there was definitely an emphasis put on it Mm -hmm. because all of my other siblings got degrees Mm -hmm. so I felt like an immense pressure even Mm -hmm. if it wasn't from my family I just felt it to try to get a degree. Yeah. So I went and I did that. And then I was like, okay. And then I didn't even like the career. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, I like it, but I didn't, that's not what I want to do long term. So it's like, I was just doing it just to get it done. But, you know, I wasn't. Gotcha. Now I'm pursuing something that I'm passionate about that I want, that I'm excited to learn. When did you realize that you were pursuing a career that you actually didn't want? And like realizing it, it was because you were feeling this pressure, internal pressure. Yeah, <laughs> internal pressure. Um, probably when I started working the actual job. Do you mind if I ask what that was? Yeah, it was it was baking. It wasn't. I went to school for at Le Cordon Bleu for culinary arts and patisserie and bake. Well, patisserie and bake. As a person who loves to bake, I am offended. Wow. I'm sorry, I love it too. <laughs> I love to bake. I love to cook. I love it, but I love it for me. I don't love it for other people. Gotcha. Like, it was too much. It was too much. The hours. Oh my goodness. Oh, okay. And so, what are you pursuing now? Um, right now, I'm working as a tutor. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a teacher, but I am trying to stay within a school district. I just loved the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going for business administration. However, if that ends up changing, it is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. As long as I get to like advance yeah. in a place where I'm happy, then I have no problem switching my majors to whatever that that is. Sometimes I'm happy. How have the conversations between you and your parents about education, how have those usually gone? They're very supportive. Well, my dad's 
he's like half present most of the time. He's like, he's like, not really there. <laughs> he's there, but he's like, he doesn't ask. He doesn't do like that, you know? But if I tell them like, hey, I need this for school, hey, mm-hmm. I need this for school, they'll be like, okay, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Like, what can I do? But I have to go and ask. <laughs> okay. Do you feel comfortable kind of going into a little bit more details, like the way that your relationship with your parents is nowadays? Yeah. Um, or like the the type of relationship that you and your parents have had, like the growth in that or not growth? Yeah. Um, so for my dad, my dad and I were never really close. Mm-hmm. We never really got close. We never really connected. Um I feel like the only time he would spend time outside of the house with me mm-hmm. was when I was playing soccer. But when I quit soccer, like, he didn't go to any of my folklorical recitals or, you know, shows or whatever. Yeah. So we never really got close. Um, these days, and I was very mad at him for, like, my teenage years, you know? That has to do in part with him, and it also has to do in part with, like, just men in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with my mom, I've always been close. Oh, my goodness. I've never wanted to leave her side. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, like, she'll be like, oh, I'm flying out. Who can pick me up from the airport? Me? Yeah. TJ or LAX? Like, yeah. where are we going? Where yeah. are we going? Um. And then we have a lot of alone time. We like to go out and have fancy dinners because okay. my dad does not like to eat out like yeah. good dinners. He likes street food, you know. Yeah. He doesn't want to He likes to go out and grab some tacos and call it a day. Yeah. But my mom and I were very close. Um, we have a lot more in common. It's always been like that my whole life. Yeah. Um, anything relating to school that you want to mention? Like, were there anything that, anything that was difficult that you felt was related to possibly you, um, just, just growing up, anything that you want to talk about that was difficult for you? Um, oh my goodness. I had a lot of difficulties. Like last year I was diagnosed with PTSD Mm -hmm. and it was a lot, a lot of work, but I'm like, I'm overcoming a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> you I'm have like this, you it. have this positive kind of like, you have like this positive kindness, like demeanor. So with you saying that my, my brain is like, <sighs> this person went through something and like to have this positivity, I'm like, I'm it makes me like a little sad because yeah. I'm like, I can't imagine. Yeah. Like I can go ahead and trauma dump. <laughs> it's whatever <laughs> you're like, like super quick because if not, it will just be fucking balling in here. But yeah, I have to have a positive mindset because if not, I'm just, I, I don't like the person I am when I don't have that positive mindset. 
I think I, I, I know I can totally relate to that. Part of me is, is like one of the things that I'm learning <laughs> to do is, is ask tough questions mm -hmm. in a very respectful way. I'm used to being like, oh, someone's mentioned something. I'm like, oh, it seems personal. I'm not going to ask. Mm -hmm. But then part of me is like, well, I kind of wish someone would have asked me those tough questions because it's not asking those tough questions that made it um, hard to talk about it yeah. because it feeds into the cultural don't ask, don't tell, like your emotions, you don't really express them, you keep them to yourself, you don't really show them. This, I guess if there's a time to like talk about the difficult stuff, this is a platform that you're more than welcome to talk about anything that you've ever gone through that you, you know, would like to share so that someone else out there might relate if that's ever like, if that's ever crossed your mind or if you ever had gone through something, this, this is your stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to try to get through this little list or whatever quickly. Do what you got to do. So... When I was, ooh, starting from a young age, um, sexual assault, domestic violence, um, a lot of, not a lot, but like, I felt kind of bullied, but not bullied in a way. It's so weird. Like, I know that wasn't the intention, but that's what it felt like. It was bullying. Yeah. You have but to. But it was like my siblings. Siblings can still bully. That's true. That's true. Um, so yeah, I went through a lot of a lot of shit when I was younger. I was a good. I was a good student going back to to school. I was a good student regardless. Like mm -hmm. this was like elementary school year. Like sexual assault was elementary. Um, domestic violence was elementary. Um, I was in a kind of like in a motorcycle crash in a way um, in middle school. So that one also kind of like scared me a little bit. So throughout all that, though, I was a good student. And then come high school, like when I started realizing it all. Yeah. So that's that's where my um, not asking my siblings for help for school came in okay. that's where that came in like i was too focused on figuring my past out that i was not looking for my for my future and my future at all mm -hmm. um but yeah then i started like high school years i started heavy drinking and partying a lot um six days out of the week sometimes i would be out drunk you know um late high school, right after high school. Um, and then that's, that's kind of when I started getting overworked, mm. like late high school, after high school. Um, my parents had recently had retired. My dad retired from work when I was 19 and they moved to Guadalajara. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I knew it was gonna happen, but I didn't prepare myself. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I don't know, like, I should have saved up for bills, you know, like, oh my God, if I knew what I know now, you know, yeah, I would have stacked so much money, like, throughout my whole high school career. I would have had a part time. I mean, I was still working or whatever, babysitting. But yeah, I, um, I was very much into heavy drinking and partying, like, early 20s up until I was, like, 24, maybe. Maybe the latest, yeah. Do you mind if I ask if you still drink? I drink, but I'm very, very rarely. I'm more of a pothead. Oh, <laughs> same, my dude, same. <laughs> um, so I want to share a little bit. I know this isn't easy to talk, even just saying those are words. Like, thank you for saying that, because I, I know it's not easy. Because um, I'm about to be honest right now, yeah. and this is scary for me. Um. One thing I'll mention before that is the whole alcohol thing. I completely get that because I used to, I used alcohol as a way to escape for a very long time. Yeah. And today is actually my two year sobriety. Really? Yeah. <laughs> today, good. yeah. Um, it's it's beautiful to, to know that um, because, it, you know, it got to a problem. And it, the first yeah. time I talked about it was a couple of um, – couple episodes ago with with rose was the first time kind of like talking about it um and that in itself i was not planning on it and that was hard because i was like it it, it's hard to talk about it because there's still stigma behind it while i never was diagnosed with the substance abuse disorder i was abusing alcohol and so um I've had my fair share with those difficulties. Um, but another thing I wanted to mention is it's a hard topic. Um, sexual assault. Um, unfortunately, I have also been a victim of that. Um, and that is not easy to talk about because that's actually one of the things I don't talk about. Um, I only have one family member that I've told, and my sister listens to this, but my sister doesn't know. So um, it's like I don't even, I don't think I'm gonna even go to detail just because like this this just me mentioning this is hard enough as it is yeah. already. Yeah. Um, it's easier to talk about this with like you just sitting here in front of me, but it's gonna hit differently when I go back and edit this and just kind of mentioning it. Um, So I guess I just want to say with that is like anyone that's gone through that, you're definitely not alone. Um, Not at all. And it is not your fault. It's never your fault. And it's a hard thing that we have to work through, unfortunately. And um, fortunately, it it wasn't um it was i don't even want to go into detail i don't want to go into detail i can't like this is just me mentioning this is more than enough um but yeah i'm sorry that you had to go through that i'm sorry that like people out there have to go through that cuz that's completely it's one it's fucking Terrible. Yes, I have no other words to say that. 
through that too it sucks because um yeah no like you said i never mentioned it to any of my family members i told my mom once but i was drunk i was crying she was looking for me i was like 19 i think mm -hmm. i went to a club she was looking for me she couldn't find me she was like she's like why do you feel the need to get so drunk and mm -hmm. i told her and i was like it was like I just needed to like tell her, let it out. Um, but other than that, I never volu like voluntarily told any of my family members. I don't know if anybody knows, because you know how Latin parents are. Like, they're gonna be telling, but whatever. Um, so I don't know if anybody else knows, but the only people I do tell is like my very close friends. Mm -hmm. My best friend was the first person I told. Mm -hmm. And then other than that, I think maybe three to four people mm -hmm. like that i feel very connected so that i'm like okay like i'm opening myself up to you mm -hmm. because i trust you yeah like, that's the only way yeah. yeah um i actually as you're kind of talking i actually want to say something because it, uh, i do want to uh, tell a little bit um it actually because it involved alcohol mm -hmm. um so for the longest time i did not consider it um, rape because I thought I put myself in that position. And for the longest time, I, I I didn't see like that. And it's honestly within the past year that I forgave myself. I told myself that I let it happen. And it wasn't until recently that I was like, this so-called friend did not. This was, this was not okay. And... Um, it took me a while because I was like, I thought I put myself in that position. I was like, no, I didn't. I did, I did not give this person a, uh, an excuse or reason to do this at all. I was like that. I, I don't know. It just took, it didn't affect me. It affected me, but it just didn't affect me in a way that I thought because I was trying to suppress it and be like, oh, it was just another sexual encounter. It was no big deal. When in reality, I was like, no, that was, you know, the, this person had the audacity to think that it was okay to do this when in reality it wasn't. And those people like on TikTok and TikTok that um out there, they're abusers. I, I can't do that. I couldn't because there's lots of people I know that know this person. And I'm like, that would cause a lot of, I'm not ready for that. Yeah. I'm not ready for that kind of, yeah. Even though he deserves to be known for what he did i don't i can't put myself in that position to out someone like that yeah. Yeah, i'm i'm it i'm not ready for for that and i don't know if i ever will be so people who do i'm i am beyond proud of them because yeah. <laughs> that's not easy yeah no it's not um i kept it in for over 10 years i'd never told anyone for over 10 years you know so anybody that does like even till till this day like i'm not gonna say i don't want to say who it is like or who they were and that's the shame that we get put upon ourselves yeah. and that's the bullshit thing like if someone was to come in and, and rob our house like it we'd was, be pointing like hey this motherfucker did yeah, it but suddenly because we're in this situation we would get so much stigma and shame we would take the heat of it. Yeah. And so that's, I don't know, that, that's one of the things that stops me 
because yes that's yeah. literally what's always held held sorry holds me back mm-hmm. that it's like i don't know like everyone's blame the victim blame the victim you know what were you wearing i was fucking seven what do you mean what the fuck was i wearing i could have been fucking naked i was seven that's a child don't be weird yeah a hundred percent like it is what it is mm-hmm. and then that whole thing about like your friend to like i had a, an experience like that recently like within within like two years i want to say mm-hmm. where it's like damn i really thought you were like a best friend mm-hmm. and this is this is what's happening now and it's like damn i will say that these two people or are Latino. Um, and I yesterday I went to this is not I don't want to target or say like I don't want to call out anyone, but it is a problem within the or let, let the Latino culture to let for for a lot of men to think it's okay to continue acting the way that they do. Like yesterday I went to a little taqueria. I wanted some Mexican food. I'm like, I'm in LA. The Mexican food is going to be bomb. Let me get some. So I go into this restaurant and um, I've been told before that some people can tell that I'm from Guadalajara because of um, my complexion and my eye color. They say that there's a lot of people that look like me that are in that area. So I'm like, okay. Um, so when I go in, I see one of the workers looks, has a light complexion like me, has hazel eyes like me. And right before I, I asked this person, I was like, hey, are you, are you from Jalisco by chance? He goes, oye, de donde eres? And I'm like, oh, from Jalisco. I was like, are you too? And he's like, yeah. So we start up a conversation. I'm like, this is awesome. You know, and just like friendly conversation, no big deal. I'm wearing my mask. They're not. And, and then he goes um, and says something like, oh, you're something like, oh, but we can't see your face. So we can't get like the full... We can't tell like how beautiful you are, la la la, some something like that. And I was just like, dude, you just made me so uncomfortable. And I didn't know how to respond with other than like, ha 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 ha, yeah yeah, it just adds to the mystery. It's like some bullshit response, you know. And the awkward laughter. The awkward yeah. laughter, yeah. And I'm like, dude, this is so uncomfortable. You just made me so uncomfortable. And I was like, I can see that ring on your hand. I see that ring on your hand, my dude. And so I, oh my God. I hard eye roll and like I step outside and my vehicle is parked right outside the entrance and I see this dude walk out at least three times and he did at least two out of three times he looked over at my vehicle and I was like I was trying to kind of like like I had my drink I was kind of covering my face with it I was like within like a couple minutes exiting that amount of times so I'm like that's a problem. that's a problem and while while they were trying to compliment me I was like that is a very inappropriate way to go about complimenting completely like I remember in Mexico do you remember like chiflando yes los hombres chiflando I was like I was a little kid and these grown ass men mentaban chiflando like that's that's something that is a really huge problem that I have a 
it's a problem and it needs to change. Yeah. We need to start changing that because that is not okay. It is adding to like the like literally they created a word. What is it? Um the femicide yes. in Mexico. They created yes. a word specifically because of how often it fucking happens, you know? And it's like that's creating a problem. And I just hope we're like we're changing and and the conversation is going to a different way where it's better, mm -hmm. but it's still a huge problem. No, it is. Um it definitely is. I think right now, um Recently, I've heard, like, oh, don't go out there because it's dangerous. Or, like, you know, border towns, Tijuana, it's dangerous right now. Yeah. And it's like, damn, like, girls really can't really walk outside by themselves at all because it's like, shit. Like, or anybody that's, like. Female presenting. Yes. Oh, no, <laughs> I forget. It, it's okay. I was like, I think that's what you're going yeah. for. <laughs> um. But you know, um, it's sad. It's definitely sad. And I'm glad that they're having protests right now. I don't know if you've kept up with that. Uh, not entirely, but I know there were there have been protests going on. Yeah. I just don't fully know details. Yeah, no. Um, I was out there recently in, in Guadalajara, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, they were having a protest. Uh, we, we went afterwards because I wasn't. I'm not trying to deal with that all mm -hmm. that right now. Um, but yeah, everything's like all tagged up, like they're breaking stuff. It was very, very, like they feel it. And it's like, I understand their anger. Like it's been happening for so many years, so many years. Yeah. And it feels like it's getting worse. I'm, I feel like mm -hmm. I'm more scared now than I was when I was a teenager. But then again, that could have just been my ego, like, yeah. You know what? I'm in the same boat because I remember not feeling as afraid at that at, at 16 years old or so. But now I, I want to go to Mexico, but I'm mm -hmm. honestly kind of terrified as well. Like I want to travel within Mexico too. Mm -hmm. And that makes and to me I'm like, I'm gonna have my I'm gonna ask my cousin, my 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 male cousin to come with me because I'm like the one I do go down there, I'm like, because I don't dare go by myself. Mm -hmm. especially not having been there for that long. Like, cause it's, besides last year, I haven't been to Mexico in like in almost 10 years. So it's like, I, it's, it's, I haven't been there for that long. So much has changed. And like, mm -hmm. I don't know how things have changed. And it just, as a nervous, anxious person, it just makes me more on edge. Like, I don't, I don't dare go by myself. Like, it just makes me too scared and nervous to go by myself. Yeah. I understand. I totally understand, especially for someone that's that. I don't know how often you go back. Um, not, that not very often. Yeah. I mean, like now, I'm trying to go back like once a year. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely changed a lot. Um, like I said, like my parents live out there, so yeah. I <clears throat> I go every chance I get. Honestly, yeah. If I can go once a year, I'll go once. If I can go twice, I'll push <laughs> it. I'll go twice. Yeah. Because there's, but there's a lot of things that I want to do when I'm out there. There's a lot of family, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, I understand where you're coming from, especially not hearing all of the media and not experiencing it mm -hmm. for yourself. I understand that you can't really tell, like, what signs there is when you know some shit might be going down. Yeah. You have to know 
what to look for. Yeah. And the, the thing that makes me nervous is like, I come off more of as a Americana, like getting yeah. out to others. I don't know. She yeah. makes me nervous. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like in the city though, like you're 100% good. Like, I think you're chilling. There's still a lot of tourism from what I've mm -hmm. been experiencing over the last couple of years. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Especially, you know, you speak fluent Spanish so that, that also helps. They're still going to be able to, like, tell our accents, our accentos. But... Yeah. No eres aquí. Eres allá. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, there you go. Nira aquí, nira allá. <laughs> I wanted to ask, um, so you you speak Spanish, but you also know some basic ASL. Yes. How did um, you get it? Because I was like, I, I I can sign my name, uh -huh. but that's about it. And like maybe two other signs. But like, how did you get into that? Or how did you get, um, how did you start learning ASL? I, I've always been, I always liked learning different languages. Mm -hmm. I, that's always interested me. I took like an Italian class. Mm -hmm. I took, you know things like that. Um, ASL, I want to learn though, because I feel like I want to be able to communicate with as many people as I can. I don't know why, like that's just something that I, that I really want to do. And I think ASL is like a good way to not only like meet new people, but also be a bridge between two people, like yeah. the hearing world and the deaf world. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I'm very expressive with my hands. Anyways, like okay. I'm sitting here and I'm trying to be like, oh, chill, trust but me. I'm very much like a hand motion. Like um, I speak with my hands. Honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that I like I take my ADHD medication, I'd be a lot more like la 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 la. Like I'm I'm all, I'm I'm all, I don't know if you are, but I'm hyper aware of my movements, and so I try not to be. But like right now, I'd probably be doing more stuff. And like clicking my pen and shit like that, but yeah, the when I'm on my ADHD medication, it tones it down for me, so I don't I like do it as much. But trust me, I get that. I yeah. do that shit all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so ASL, like, I was like, hey, that's a good, that's a good way because I'm gonna be having to move my hands anyways. Yeah. So I'm like, that's gonna keep from distracting me, and then I also get distracted within conversations as well. Like uh, I drift into my own paralysis paradise like you can be speaking and i'm like yeah and i'll start paying attention to you but then something you'll say will trigger another thought and i would just drift have you have you ever considered adhd um yes but i also know that ptsd can cause adhd symptoms or like you know yeah so i'm um, trying to figure out if it is my PTSD or if it actually is ADHD because I always felt like I was neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. I believe PTSD is included in being neurodivergent. I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like it is actually. Well, it definitely like rewires, oh, you know, yeah. a lot. <laughs> so um, I do see a lot of the same characteristics as ADHD. But I have never been properly diagnosed. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I don't know. I'll talk to my therapist. <laughs> so the reason I I mentioned that is because when you said 
I wasn't even going to say anything, but then you started talking about the whole conversation thing and your mind starts to drift off. Mm -hmm. That was one of the first things for me that I kind of like was like, oh shit, not everyone's like that. Yeah. So the thing it is for, I remember is like, you're talking to me, I'm having this conversation and then my brain starts suddenly going off to like this X, Y, Z that's not even completely related. And the next thing I know, I'm like, oh shit, this person's talking to me. Whoop. Yes. Oh yeah. And this entire time on the outside, you look like you've been paying attention, Mm -hmm. but you're not. And it's not, and it's just like, that was, that's one thing that I asked someone who was diagnosed with ADHD at work. And I was like, Hey, does this happen to you? And she was like, yeah. So I, I think it's super severely underdiagnosed in AFAB people, but it's also, again, I'm aware that of like it coincides or there's some underlying symptoms. It, it coincides, what's the word I'm looking for? PTSD and ADHD have similar traits. I'm aware of that, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> it's not a bad idea to look into it. Um, just because it really changed my 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 world being formally diagnosed. Yes. Um, because I used to be so hard on myself. And like once I figured out like it's literally just how my brain works, it reduced a lot of stress for me. Yeah. So I would look into it. Because yeah. it's yeah. Do you uh, actually we can just kind of like let's kind of like into mental illness. We kind of we were, we've kind of already been talking a little bit about it, but um Besides PTSD, have you been diagnosed with anything else? Not, no mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was diagnosed with PTSD, and then soon after, I left my job so that to go with my insurance, mm-hmm. so I didn't have access to that same therapist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my PTSD is like I don't trust new people, so mm-hmm. I was like. I'm going to sit here, figure out this PTSD thing by myself, do my own research. Mm -hmm. Whenever I do get back on that health insurance, I can just go back to my therapist. Mm -hmm. And we can continue to work together from then. But for now, because it is so recent, it was like last year, Mm -hmm. I'm still learning a lot about like my PTSD. Um, But it did, like you said, oh my God, it was like a relief. Like, damn, I felt validated. Oof. I was like, damn, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I don't know. I felt like I was going crazy. Keyword right there is, is, is validated because that's what a, some people, I'm not, I've met some people that don't want to have a diagnosis. They don't care to have a diagnosis, but then there are other people like us that it brings validation to us Yeah. and it brings, I don't know if it brought you comfort, but it brought me comfort no, knowing no. that I was like, there's a answer or reason to what's going on in my yeah. brain because I do remember having times I'm like, this can't be just anxiety. This can't be just depression. I was like, I remember using the word crazy, mm-hmm. you know, just because that's my, where my mind was at the time. But I was thinking like, I can't like, you know, I'm my brain right now is feels too crazy for it to be just that. Yeah. Because I'm like, if everyone, like if people with anxiety and depression, like have to go through what I'm going through. I was like, why isn't there more? I don't know. It just kind of felt like it just things didn't make sense for it to be that. And so learning that there's more behind what my brain's actually doing. I'm like, yeah. I knew there was something. I knew there was something wrong up here. <laughs> I knew there was a name to what was going on up here kind of thing. Yes, I totally understand. I would, um, I would think of something and then I would be like, wait, 
why did I think about it? Like, I don't know how to explain it. What am I looking for? <laughs> I forget. Oh my God. Losing your train of thought yes, is I'm kind of an ADHD Jesus. thing too. <laughs> and it happens often. Yeah. Jeez, you notice I like drifted off with like what the same question three times and I kept forgetting. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm like, well, if it could be like, I don't know, sometimes I'm nervous. My things like things just go out over my head. Yeah. So I don't know. I also like, I feel like I can notice these traits in other people. Mm-hmm. So part of me had like little things that was like popping up here and there. I'm like, hmm, ADHD maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, I'm not. I'm not a professional. I'm obviously not a professional. I'm not. I cannot legally diagnose someone. But I do like to talk about how like, if you're thinking about it. I mean, especially being especially being um, being born a woman, being Latina, like your resources aren't going to be fully there as like it would be for someone else. Yeah. So there's also that reality. Mm -hmm. Like there's unfortunately. 26. (laughs) Yeah. No, I was 20. I was 27 when they diagnosed me with ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to seek out that diagnosis myself. Uh, Yeah. Actually kind of speaking into that, like how was it, that you got into like the mental health um, system in a way, like did you, how much were you the one that had to advocate for yourself from the beginning? Yes. Okay. How was um, that journey for you? It was. It was. Damn. It was kind of crazy. Oh, not crazy. It was kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I started noticing like my patterns and stuff. Soon after high school, like, 20s, mm-hmm. early 20s, um, I was like, yo, like, the way I do things, the way I process information is not the same way that my friends do. Like, I come to a different conclusion than them a lot of the times okay. when we're looking at the same situation. Um, so things like that, I was like, that's wrong. And then just typical, like, depression, like, that one, I was like, why do I feel like this? Like, you know? Um, and I didn't really do, well, what I did was when I was very, very bad, it was like, I was overworked. Mm-hmm. So I had lack of, there was like lack of sleep, severe lack of sleep. And it was getting very bad. Like my, like, I was scaring myself. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's when I went to Guadalajara. Mm-hmm. That was, like, my mental break. Like, I was like, okay, I'm going to take some time. So I went. It helped. I came back. And when I came back, I was like, okay, I'm happier, but I'm still not. I don't feel normal, you know? So I got this job. I got insurance. Like, it had to be, like, a process. Yeah. I, you know, got this job. I got insurance. And then I want to say, like, almost a year into the job, mm-hmm. I was, like, having a very hard time. I was a housekeeper during the pandemic. So, yeah, that on top of my PTSD, like, it, I was, I was it pushed me over the edge. I, yeah. was, I was like, okay, no, like, going to Mexico helped. Yeah. It helped a lot, but it's not what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. 
So I decided to speak to a therapist. So I called like the hotline or whatever. I was like, um, I feel like I'm having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was assigned a therapist and we were talking and we talked about work and I was like, I'm, I'm stressed about work. I'm stressed about work. And I would tell her like all these things that went down at work. And she was like, Oh, like, why does that bother you? So then we kept digging more. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, that's not what it was. Mm -hmm. That, you know, like it was because a lot, I got a lot of shit at work, but at the end of the day, well, what I was having that reaction to was the fact of like years building up. And then this is like pushing me over the edge during the pandemic. Yeah. So yeah, that, that really pushed me into seeking out my own therapist. And I'm very glad that I did. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy that I did because I can talk to my friends, but it's not the same. Completely. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like it was a relatively easy process for you to get in touch with the therapist? Or do you feel like there were significant difficulties? Like in terms of like the accessibility I mean, besides the fact that you actually get insurance before you were actually able to, you yeah. know, seek out help. Um, had I known what I know now, like I've been saying, um, I think I, I could have asked to see a therapist a lot earlier, mm -hmm. but I don't think that it would have been as accessible to me as it is now mm. because now what they're doing is like we're not going to charge you if it's a zoom or a phone call mm. or that's how they did it for me at least um which is a fucking amazing yeah yeah and then but if you went in person like they would charge you yeah like, okay so the fact that they weren't charging me and I was able to talk to someone, it was like, oh, my God. And then the fact that I got the diagnosis soon after, it was like, oh. And then now it's like unraveling where I'm seeing like, oh, I used to act this way because of that. I, you know, and I see myself and I catch myself like, oh, my God, I'm growing. <laughs> I love that for you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to tell you that it, as shitty as it fucking is and cheesy as it is, it does get better. I have been in the mental health system since I was, well, pretty much since like 16 years old and on and off a little bit, but, but pretty much over a decade now. I'm not the same person that I was a couple years ago even because of the people, because being in the mental health system, I've been able to get the help that I did need. And um, I guess it just kind of crossed my mind. I never realized how how accessible it was to me, but um, it was accessible to me because my dad is disabled. So he got Medicaid, Medi-Cal. I can't remember which one it is, but basically yeah. he had insurance that was able to cover stuff. So that's why I was able to get a lot more help in like in the beginning. And like, even then, even if I did, even getting help as a teenager, I still had to reach out and seek that help out. Yeah. And like my family knew there was something going on, but nothing was really done until it kind of got to a point where like, I am not okay. Yeah. And I had to actively like 
say those words to a family member in order for like something to happen kind of thing. But um, honestly, I'm really happy that you are, you are in a position where you can get this treatment for like nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because um, really like just having that really makes a huge difference. And like, you're just starting out your, well, you've been already starting out your journey on how to get better and it's, it's going to be tough, but it's going to, you're going to have a lot of moments where you're like healing is beautifully painful is what I like to say. Or not like, I don't like to say it, but you know, (laughs) it's kind of, um, kind of the something that I've come to realize, but anything that regarding mental, mental illness or anything that we've kind of talked about in the past that you're, you want to mention or come talk about? I just like that you said the beautiful, would you say beautiful? Healing is beautifully painful. Beautifully painful. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I like to stretch a lot, so that's mm-hmm. another way, like, I'm helping myself. Yeah. Um, and, like, sometimes I'm, like, trying to do, like, my hips, and it yeah. just hurts the, the worst. But I'll say, like, I'll crack it real good, mm-hmm. and then, like, I'll just start bawling my eyes out. And it's, like, a release, in a way. Yeah. And it all, like, together, all of it just helps me a lot out a lot i love that for you i'm excited for your your journey and and it's it's a journey i'm excited for you to you know continue your journey and stuff like that um one thing i wanted to mention is um how you said earlier like you don't really trust people very easily i want to thank you for having this conversation with me i know it's not easy um this these aren't I'm a stranger. These aren't easy things that we're talking about, yeah. but I really appreciate you like trusting me to have this conversation with me and, and trusting me to like put it out there like yeah. this. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to you. I relate to you already. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, you know, thank you for being part of this because I know it's not easy and you're, you're doing as much work for this as I am. You know, by allowing yourself, by allowing me to share your story in a sense. So I greatly appreciate that. No, thank you for having me and giving me this platform to like let it all out. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad. I didn't realize I was creating that platform really. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know what? I needed this. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad I'm, I'm realizing how much I needed this as well in a sense. And so it's part of that beautiful healing process um all right so one of the things that i like to end with are little fun facts so i've already done a couple of jalisco fun facts um so i'm gonna go straight with michoacan and what i learned and in case you didn't know is that the largest michoacan is the largest producer of avocados oh yeah (laughs) you know what probably yeah (laughs) Probably. There's a there's a reason for everything. <laughs> uh, this is one thing I thought was really, really cool, which maybe you know. Uh, so between October and March, monarch butterflies migrate to the state. They travel up to 3,000 miles, 3,000 kilometers, which is about 1,800 miles. And this ends up causing, um, this leads to huge tourism. Oh, 
I didn't know that. And then the state capitol is known for its colonial architecture. I'm a big fan of architecture stuff. So I'm like, oh, that's really pretty. This one I thought was really cool. The youngest volcano is located in Michoacan. It's called, um, I might mispronounce this, um, Paricutin. That's the volcano. And it's actually known as one of the seven natural wonders of the world. Oh, really? Yeah. What? I was like, oh, that's cool. And it's the youngest? It's the youngest volcano. Yeah. And I think I, if I read correctly, it, it uh, erupted within the past 100, maybe 200 years. It was a recent-ish eruption. But yeah, that's interesting. I, honestly, it was the butterflies things that got to me. I was like, oh, shit, I need to go. <laughs> Alrighty. Any last minute? Any last minute things you want to mention? Any shout outs, social media, anything like that? I guess you can follow me. I don't even know what my social media has to be. <laughs> um, let's do Instagram. It's at Mari Marisol C. Mari Marisol, but that's cute. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but no, thank you for having me. Um, no, thank I you really for being I enjoyed me. the experience and I'm, I'm trying to open up more. It's a process. It's, yeah. It's a process. Um, I think you doing this in itself, just based on this conversation I think is a huge step. So again, I appreciate it. I think it's appreciate, appreciate you being a part of this with me. (laughs) You make it easy. Like you're very welcoming. (laughs) Well then don't mind me. Just, (laughs) um, I guess I've been in a position long enough where I didn't feel comfortable talking that I, I want the person in front of me to feel comfortable talking about whatever it is that they're going to talk about. Like, Mm -hmm that there's no judgment coming off me that that I am genuinely here to talk with you and um, yeah I, I wouldn't want to make you uncomfortable in any kind of way so I'm succeeding yay <laughs> um already well thank you to everyone who has been listening um thank you again to Marisol and until next time mm-hmm.